Good to see you. Uh, if we've not met yet, we should fix that at some point, but my name is Jesse, so it's good to, it's good to be here with you. Let me ask you, uh, we're now, uh, what's the date today real quick? It's the 16th. Uh, congratulations, you made it to the 16th, and everybody's still doing great with your New Year's resolutions, yes? That's true, right? Oh man, isn't it weird? Like we, we use this time of year, uh, we, we, we see the calendar click from 2021 to 2022 or whatever year we're ending up in, and we say it's, it's time to make a change, it's time to do something. Uh, and so either we write it or we plan it or we think about it or we're just like, hey, it would be a great idea if, uh, but we make some sort of a resolution. Uh, and then sometime around this time of year, many of us find out that we didn't quite resolve it all the way because it's still a thing, whatever it is. Maybe it's you resolved to work out. And so you started running January 1st, you ran 10 miles that day. And today you like you made 10 steps to the car and now, now you're here. Uh, maybe, maybe you resolved to eat healthier and you, you went with like the, the, the online food thing and they sent you like 25 pounds of kale uh, January 1st. And last night you ate Whataburger four times. Like it, it just, it's a weird thing that we do that, that we think and we want and we hope better for ourselves and we set goals for ourselves. Um, we look at the calendar and we say, this is the time of year to make a change. It's time to make a change. We made it through the holidays. And yet your experience and my experience is that sometime around this time of year, uh, those resolutions start to get a little grayer. They're not as firm. We're not as, we're not as serious or uh, some things kind of fell by the wayside. Some studies have been done about this. And this is the most optimistic thing you could think of being said uh, at church is it's something around uh, January 20th. Uh, and the, the number of people who have blown their resolutions, who are no longer committed to their resolution is somewhere in the ballpark of 92 to 94%. <laughs> That's a lot. That, that is, you didn't make it one month and neither did I. And, and the, the, the truth is, is that we find in ourselves these desires, these wants, these, these things that we want to be better, uh, but, then, but then we struggle to find out, like, why is the pattern not sticking? We want to start today a series called Habits. We're going to put this graphic up right here, and I'll just be fully honest with you. I heard Craig Rochelle preach a series called Habits. I love the graphic, and I love the direction he went with it, so I stole this graphic. If anybody knows Craig, hey, thanks, Craig, uh, the, the whole title. We're going to go a different direction with it uh, just because of, you know, different things that are, are true of Carpenter's Way, but also what the Lord's laid on my heart. So it's not, I'm, you can go listen to Craig Rochelle's sermon, this series, and and it's a great series. You're going to love it. It's just a different direction than we're going this morning. I, I want to look at what it takes for, uh, for us to make decisions that actually are sustainable, actually get some traction going. Uh, why is it that we kind of fail at them? The idea of a resolution is to, to resolve, to, to make, I resolve this moment. If you're in math uh, and I give you a math problem and I say, you know, the square root of uh, 62, I was terrible at square roots. I don't even know if 62 has a square root, if I had to be honest with you. Uh, but if I said, what's the square root of this? You can resolve the equation by putting in the solution. Uh, it's to solve the problem, right? Um, to, to resolve is to, is to, is to uh, make a, a hard decision. Uh, another way of saying it is to resolve is to say it's, it's settled. It's settled. Like uh, if, if you are uh, working towards American citizenship, there are all these tasks that you have to do. But then there's this moment where you are an American citizen, whether you feel like it or not, whether you have an accent or not, whether you, you, you still want to go back to, to your family in the other country, there's this moment where it's now settled. It is now a matter of fact. It is settled that I am now an American citizen. 
And I want to look at resolutions in that sense, like this idea of resolving something to where, you know, it's settled. From this point forward, I'm no longer going to live in this way. I'm going to, I'm going to make decisions that push this way. I'm no longer going to let these things define who I am. I'm going to, I'm going to push forward into this, to this new life. What, what I'm going to argue for, for today and uh, really, I guess, the rest of the series is that before, before we talk about what your resolutions of doing are, we need to talk about your resolutions of who you are. Before, before we set goals of, of do, I need to start doing this, start running. I need to stop doing this, stop eating unhealthy. I need to maybe like look in the mirror and figure out, like, uh, have I resolved who I am? Have, have, I, have I made decisions that, that I'm now this person? I'm no longer that, uh, that person. And what we're going to see and what I think, I think is true um, is that the things you do don't define your who, you're not the sum total of everything you've done. You may have made great decisions to get this point, and you're a very successful person, but that's not who you are. That doesn't define you. And this, the flip is true. You may have done terrible things. Like You're just like, ah, okay, uh, I've gone I've bankrupted three times. Uh, I've had, I, I'm on my fourth marriage right now. My kids don't talk to me. I am, and then you internalize it into a who. Those are things that you've done what you do doesn't define who you are. And so let's, let's start focusing on, on who we are this morning. And, and what I think we'll find is that as we start to resolve in ourselves who we are, as it starts to become settled, it's no longer a question. You're no longer trying to prove to the world who you are. You, you've resolved it. Uh, you're going to find out that your who starts to steer your, your do's. You, you, wh- who you know yourself to be and who Christ has called you to be starts to change your actions instead of you deciding, I'm going to use my actions to change who I am. Do you see the, the difference? I think, I think it's a, a futile effort, honestly, church. It's a futile effort to decide, I don't like these things that I'm doing and I don't like who I am, so I'm going to do these other things to change who I am. That's not how the heart works. And that's not how you work. What is better is if, if we focus on who we are, we figure out who God says that we are, and then we resolve that truth, and we'll find that our actions and our desires and our, even our temptations, they'll start to steer in that direction. If, if you want to follow along, uh, I'm going to look and begin in Romans chapter 7. Romans 7. Has anybody ever had a moment of uh, just feeling completely inferior uh, at the thing that you were called to do in, the, in that moment. Uh, I, I think some common moments are like that, that first time that uh, you find out that you're going to have a child and both parents are like, nope, I can't keep kids alive. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I think that uh, that moment where you find out as in high school, like you got into college and you were accepted. It's like, I don't know if I can do the big university thing. I don't know uh, if I uh, have it in me. I had an inferiority moment uh, just yesterday. Uh, I'm at a kid's basketball game and uh, the, the, one of the coaches comes by and says, hey, uh, to the stands, just announces it to the stands and says, hey, uh, I need someone to keep the books. Uh, okay. And I look around and there's like 50 of us in here, but he's just staring at me. Uh, and I'm like, I guess, I guess I can keep the books. I don't know how to keep the books. I don't even know what that means. Like some of you right now are thinking, well, it's easy to keep the books. It turns out it is easy. I have no idea. I don't know like really what we're calling fouls at the nine-year-old basketball game. It could be anything. It turns out it really isn't much that they call fouls on. One kid almost got tackled. I'm like, is that on number four? They're like, nah, just, it's fine. Just let it go. Uh, and so my job yesterday was to keep score. Who scored points? Uh, who fouled and uh, like who used timeouts. That's all I had to do. But there's this moment, like, I, I didn't, do I have it in me? I don't, I don't know. Am I the guy who can do this thing? 
Uh, yeah, I have it in me. Turns out I'm a dad who likes my kid, who likes my kid's friends. I'm the perfect candidate, but I felt like uh, maybe, maybe, what if I messed up? What if I gave one kid too many points and he goes home and he gets like a, a new basketball card with his face on? He's like, I did amazing. The kid didn't even touch the court. Like it, maybe I messed it up that, that bad. When I was about four years old, uh, my, my grandfather, he used to work for uh, some of these refineries, and uh, he knew some people that worked for the Kansas City Railway. Uh, is that still the train that runs through here that wakes us all up? I think it is. Uh, and when I was four years old, uh, he had worked it out uh, with the bribery of a cherry pie uh, that uh, his grandson, me, uh, gets to drive the train. This is amazing. I don't know how he worked it out. I don't know like, if he called someone beforehand, but he, the way he told it to me and the way I believed it until probably last week when I was planning this message was uh, he was driving next to the train and he threw some secret hand signals like gang signs out the window and the train parked and it stopped and we pulled over. And I do remember this. I remember pulling over. Uh, the train stopped and lets us on. So me and my grandfather get on. They hand me at four years old, the Kansas City Railway hat. I had like the pin in it and it's cool. And I sat down and I'm, I'm on top of the world. The train takes off like the train that goes like right by all of your houses. I'm on the train. And the guy says, Hey, uh, Jesse, would you like to drive the train? Like, no, I don't. He's like, <laughs> That's the point of you being your kid. Like, would you like to drive the train? I said, no, I, I can't drive the train. I don't have a driver's license. Uh, I remember distinctly telling an adult that, and it was like four or five, it's like, hey, you don't need a driver's license to drive a train. I'm like, ah, mm, I'm not falling for that. And so I sat back down and I told the guy, no, I don't, I don't want to drive the train. And for like an hour, I missed out on driving the train. And then finally I broke. I was like, I would really love to drive this, this train. And so the second half of the trip, I enjoyed all of the things a four-year-old would enjoy. I got to honk the horn, which I thought would be like a rope. It's not. It's like a little lever on the train. I honked at every car on the highway. If I saw a car like in the parking lot, I would honk at it like 12 times. So if you were driving around in 1989 and you're like, that train is a little aggressive. That was me. Uh, you're welcome. I believed at four years old, even then, I'd internalize this idea. I can't drive the train. I can't do that thing because I'm not who you think I am. I'm not someone with a driver's license. This guy, this train conductor, knew better. The, my grandfather, who, I'm sure he's really mad at this point that I'm not taking the, the train. Uh, I missed out on half of that trip because I'd internalized a lie about who I was and what was required to do this job. How many of us in this room have missed out on half of our lives Half of the blessings that would have been ours because we've internalized the truth that isn't true or it was never one of the qualifications, even if it is true, about what you should be doing and what your life should be about, what your activities could be about because we bought the lie. Paul, the guy who wrote Romans, uh, and we're going to read in Romans 7, uh, he talks a little bit about it and it gets confusing. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to do my best to try to break it apart, but he talks about this idea of, of who he is versus the things that he does. And it's like, he, it's like there's two of him and he's looking at himself. He's like, you're an idiot. Why do you keep doing the things that you don't do? But he comes at the end, and I'm going to come to the end with you, in this place of hope this place of realization that he is not the sum total of all of his activity and all the things that he's done. And I hope for you and I that this helps us to begin to resolve before we start planning our dues, we start to resolve who am I right now in this room? So if you will open with me, uh, Romans 7, I'm going to start in verse 13. 
Paul has been talking about up to this point, this thing called the law. The law uh, for Paul especially is really just think Old Testament, think, think 10 commandments, think first five books of the Old Testament. This is the law. This is all the rules that God has given the people. Uh, and he's been explaining all the last six, six and a half, seven chapters, uh, trying to explain this is the reason the law came to be, and this is why it's binding upon uh, humanity. It explains to us how holy God really is. It explains to you and I what sin is, because apart from the law, we wouldn't even know that we were sinning, separating ourselves more and more from this God. And he's made this argument up to this point that the law is good, even though it points to our flaws. He also makes the argument that none of us have made the ability to complete the law. Uh, I don't know if this is something you've realized. I'm not perfect. You're, you're probably not perfect. I would say that you're not, but I don't want to be rude. You know, you're not perfect. Um, we all find in ourselves these moments where uh, we didn't measure up. And, and Paul's like explaining it. Yeah, we haven't measured up to the law. That's why Jesus came. Uh, but here we are in, in verse 13. And he says, did that which is good then bring death to me? He's like, the law is good, but did it bring death to me? Is it, is it the law's fault that I have this death living inside me? He says, by no means. It wasn't the law. He says, it was sin producing death in me through what is good. The law is good, but sin is producing death in me. And the law points me to that. He says, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. He's saying, he's saying the law not only showed me the sin, not only pointed out my errors, but it showed me how bad sin can get. And it said sinful beyond measure. Sin just, it kept growing because the law kept shining a light on what it really was. For we know, verse 14, that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I've, I've experienced this. He says, I've, I've been in sin. He had said in chapter three that all have sinned and fallen away from God. You and I, we've all sinned. The law pointed that to, to us and said, hey, you, you've fallen away from God. Okay, okay, help me. Where do, where do I go from here? He says in verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. Can anybody else relate to that one sentence right there? Can anybody else just admit like you did a thing and immediately after the thing, like what was I thinking? Most of my parenting strategy is looking my kids in the eyes and saying, why did you do that? <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, and my kids are like, I, I don't know. I don't understand my own actions, dad. That's very Paul of you, uh, Max. I don't understand my actions, dad. Uh, he says, I do not understand my own actions. What do you mean, Paul? He says, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. When we look at our New Year's resolutions, and it's very often that we want to start doing a thing to get away from the things that we hate. And then when we start to fall, we start to slip, we fall back into whatever it is, the addiction, the eating, the, the, the arguing in the marriage, whatever the resolutions we're meant to fix, when we start to fall into it, we say to ourselves this phrase right here, I'm doing the very thing that I hate. And a lot of us, uh, and I'll be honest with you, even churches, I'll listen to like other preachers because I mean, uh, like it's good for you to listen to preachers. And since I'm on the stage, I'd go listen to other preachers a lot. I'll listen to some guys and they stop at a verse like that and they just shake their finger at everybody and like, stop doing the thing you hate. Let's pray. And they, they amen. And there's no, like it ends on this really heavy note of like, just you should hate yourself or something. Um, that's not where Paul ends, but this is, this is a, a, a sticking point for so many people. And I think that's why he brings it up. I think it's a sticking point for many of us in this room that, that I do the thing that I hate, I give up. I'm no longer going to try. 
All, all that I've learned of God is all my own problems, and, and I'm not going to step into, I'm not, I can't even hear the rest of what you're going to say. Paul ends this with an incredibly hopeful note, but we get this far, and I keep doing the thing that I hate, and you keep pointing out my sin, and I'm done. Verse 16, he says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. This is, this is a really difficult verse. It's, it's, it's the kind of verse that when you're reading, like just to complete a chapter, you don't realize how heavy that, that sentence is. What, what he's making the point is, is that, that you should pay attention to the fact that you, you want something different than what you have. It's the want that he's wanting you to, to pay attention to. Uh, the, the fact that, that you and I find in ourselves that we keep doing things that we don't want, we focus on the thing we're doing and we condemn ourselves. And Paul is about to focus on the want. He says, you should, like, that's good news. You want something better. Where does that come from? You know, because if, it, if you were really the sum total of your actions, eventually you'd become so numb to it, so, so distracted, so far from it, your wants would fall in line with your actions. And then, yeah, five marriages, 10 marriages. I'm just going to blow through all these marriages. I'm going to be a terrible father. I'm going to be a terrible mother. And, and I'm not going to feel any guilt over it. But, but that's not true of any of us, is it? Most of us, we get to a point uh, where we want to make a life change in some way. And then we realize, I keep doing the things that I don't want, but it's my wants that are, it's telling me that God's way is better. It's telling me that, that the law was true and good this whole time. So verse 17, he says, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, and he's going to correct, because he, he has the Holy Spirit in him. He doesn't want us to be confused yet. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me uh, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And Paul is supposed to be some kind of super Christian, right? If, if we had like uh, Christian trading cards, uh, you're going to want, you're going to want Paul in your deck. Like he is the Pokemon of choice. All right. Um, and even him, as he's like being real honest with us, he's like, I just, I keep doing what I don't do. In fact, I have the desire to do what is right, but I, I don't have the ability to carry it out every time. Now, verse 20, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And now, and now we get to this part where I think we start to get confused because he's going to start talking about these laws. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to go back and explain. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Uh, this is lowercase law. This is more like Murphy's law. You guys know what Murphy's law is? You, know, you do? No? Here, Murphy's Law is what can go wrong inevitably will go wrong. Murphy's Law. We were handling Murphy's Law a lot this morning. In fact, if you're on the live stream right now, you're like, hey, the countdown looked funny. Murphy's Law. Okay, it went wrong. You're like, I can't, I can't do anything about it. And so he's using like this idea. It's like, it seems to be like a law, kind of like Murphy's Law, what we would say, is that anytime I want to do right, it's like that moment I decide to start doing right. I, I decide to take a step in the right direction. Evil is right there waiting for me. It's like it knew what I was going to do. This seems to be a law right here. He says, for I delight in the law of God. This is not the same law of, of evil. He says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. Now we have the law of the mind, we have the law of God, we have the law of evil, keep, keep with me, and making me captive to the law of sin. This is a different one. So the law of sin that dwells in my members. 
wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? We have the, we have the law of God, we have the law of the mind, the law of sin. He just kept like bringing up all these laws. So the way I imagine it, I don't have a way to draw it, but just imagine a triangle right here. So here's a triangle. This is an Illuminati, it's just a triangle. And at the top is uh, the law of God. And kind of down here at this corner, we have the law of my mind. And on this corner, we have the law of sin and death. And here's what he says. He says, I have this desire to go up the triangle towards the law of God. And as soon as I take a step, I trip and I fall. And then whenever I catch my balance, I'm running face first into the law of sin and death over and over and over again. And so I, I, I make a decision. I, I can't do that anymore. I need, to, I need to treat these people better. I need, to, I need to step out of this addiction. I need to get help. And so I'm gonna run towards the law of God and, boom, and I fall and I'm, here I am, sin and death. And there's a sense that I think, I think many of us would feel that it's like, I'm, I'm tired of trying, man. I'm tired, I'm tired of tripping over this over and over again. Wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this? Who can? Thanks be to God, he says in verse 25, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh serve the law of sin. He's drawn a distinction now between who he is and what he finds himself doing over and over and over again. He is not, uh, as his identity, someone who runs towards the law of sin and death. He's just someone who happens to find a mistake after a mistake after a mistake, but in his mind, he still pursues God. Now, in your Bible, in my Bible, uh, we have a chapter break right here. Do you see that? If you're watching, if you're reading on your phone or reading on an iPad online, folks, um, you, you wouldn't even see the next sentence. Uh, when Paul wrote it, there were no chapter breaks because this next sentence is exactly in line with this point. The point is this, verse one of chapter eight, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you in this room if you are in Christ Jesus. If you imagine that, that triangle again, law of God at the top, you and your mind over here and the law of sin and death on the, on the left, we imagine that when we run towards God, we trip and fall towards death or we run towards our, our sin and our hate and then we find a judging God who is angry with us, who is there to condemn us. And what Paul says is that for you and I who have confessed Jesus as Lord, there's therefore now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. The, the triangle isn't complete for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. It's broken right here. We run towards God and we find hope. We may find mistakes in sin and death. We, we can choose to sin, but we're no longer found to be in condemnation of, of those actions for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Look, look at how he lands us. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Why is that true? How in the world could that be true? Verse two, for the law of the spirit, another law, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit given to believers is this proof that God's not done with you. It's the reason why as a Christian, you even have desires to pursue God and continue to pursue God. Uh, and you find in that hope and the spirit has set you free uh, from the law of sin and death. You're no longer bound to it for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Verse three, for God has done, who did it? God. For the entire Old Testament, the law stood firm and man tried over and over and over again, which is the point 
no man, none of the judges, none of the prophets, none of the kings lived perfectly up to the law. They were never able to accomplish the law. Therefore, you would say, well, we have condemnation, don't we? No, we don't. Why? Because God did it. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. I underlined that last phrase. He condemned sin in the flesh. Because two verses before, there's no more condemnation for me and you who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because God accomplished what you and I couldn't, and he condemned sin instead. He condemned sin and death instead of condemning us to sin and death. You guys know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse says, he did not come to condemn the world, that the world through him might be set free. He didn't come to condemn you. And if your experience of God has been, someone stopped about four verses before I did, and they, they just talked about how the reason why you, you, you keep making mistakes is the law of sin and death, and you know, uh, it just, just beat you with it. And you walked away and there's no hope left. All of your actions have been condemned, okay? I'm not here to talk to you about your actions. I'm here to talk to you about who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation in you. Even if you feel like there is, it's just not true. Because that's who God says that you are. If you want habits that are going to stick, can you bring that up, please, Barbara? If you want habits that are going to stick, I would argue that the first thing you need to do is resolve who you are before you discuss what you're going to do to make these changes whether those changes are positive or negative, that you begin like, I I just got to look in the mirror and believe what God says about me. If you are a follower of Jesus, that sense of shame, that sense of guilt, that sense of condemnation isn't true, not because I said so and not because I want you to feel happy. It's because the word of God has been saying it for 2000 years and people have found real truth and real hope in this. This This is what God's word says. And so I would argue that you need to know who you are before you start settling the things that you're going to do because who you are will start to steer the things that you're going to do. This is great news. I, I, don't, I don't know, like I'm, I'm maybe more excited than you because I've been working at it. Like this is excellent news for you and I. This is news for, for the people out there who, who feel hopeless. If you're in here and you're like, Jesse, I gotta be honest with you. Like I, that cold front came in and that was like, I was 5% away from not making it. Like, I just, I'm ready to give up. I can't, I can't, I, I just, I can't, I just can't. The, the great news is, is that it was never about your actions. God doesn't say you're not condemned because of the things you've already accomplished. It's because of who you are. He chooses who you are. You know, this is great because this also means a few other things. Uh, it means uh, you are not the, the sum total of all of your mistakes that you've ever made. You are not your addiction. You may have an addiction. You may have done things to create that addiction, but you are not your addiction. You are not your past. You may have things in your past that you are really worried that other people are going to know about. You wish you didn't do. Hey, we, we all have regrets. We all have those pieces of our past we don't like, but, but you're not your past. You're not your weight. Many of us, we have like a new resolution. I, I think I should resolve this, that I should probably lose a few pounds. But you know what? I ate at Denny's last night and I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, I am not my weight. I, uh, you are not your anger problem. You, maybe you had an anger problem yesterday and tomorrow you're like, oh golly, there it is again. I have my anger problem again. Okay, you know some things to work on, but that doesn't, that's not you. You are not your anger problem. You're not, you're not your uh, depression Maybe you're on antidepressants, but you're not your depression. Maybe you're on anxiety medicine, but you're not your anxiety. 
That's not who you are. And we take all of these labels, don't we? We hear people say it about us. We, we, we hear people say terrible things and we say, yeah, you're probably right. And then we internalize it and we say, I am that. I am those mistakes. You're not your learning disability. You are not ADHD. You are not dyslexia. You are not your learning disability. You are not your failing marriage. You may, you may go home in a moment and you're like, I, just, I, feel, I feel like I am my failing marriage. No, you're not. These are just areas to, to work on. You are not your struggling job. You are not your, you're struggling to find a job. You are not your income. You are not defined by any of those things. Why? Because I say so? No. Because God says so. He says who you are. And so what we need to think about doing is as we, as we start to re- resolve, to settle who you are, who I am, we need to change that script in our head. That script that says, uh, I'm lazy. No, no, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's an identity. You're not lazy. You're just not seizing every opportunity that has been presented to you. And so instead of saying, I'm lazy, and then just like, I'm defeated, it is, I haven't seized every opportunity that's been presented to me. I want to start seizing more opportunities. Change, change the script. I'm stupid. No, you're, you're learning new things. Maybe you don't know how to handle that thing. Maybe you're working, maybe you have room for improvement in your grades, but to say I'm stupid is to completely identify with that as who you are. We say things like I'm, I'm worthless. No, nobody, nobody would, would care to do anything for me. Well, I got news for you. The God of the universe sent his son for you and me. That's some high value. Uh, Paul would even say in second Corinthians that you and I are bought at a high price. That's not worthless. Uh, so maybe there have been some things that people have said some, tr- some, some lies to you that you bought as truth uh, and it affected your worth, but, but that's not who you are. There's a, there's a guy on uh, YouTube, I, saw, I think I saw him on Facebook. Uh, he's an anti-bully guy. I don't know if you know this guy. His name is Brooks Gibbs. And he goes into schools and he talks to them about anti-bullying. Uh, it's a fascinating video because he'll get somebody on stage who can be the meanest girl. So he, it's always a girl that he gets. And he's like, I want you to be mean to me. And I'm going to not try to de-escalate. I'm just going to try to handle it like a kid. And so she's like, you're an idiot. He's like, stop calling me that. Well, I tell you. And so they go back and forth. And then, and then he's like, time out, pause. Okay, so you saw how you usually handle it. Now let's handle it this different way. And so uh, reset, start again. You're an idiot. And he kind of laughs. He's like, yeah, I do make knuckleheaded decisions sometimes. And he's like, completely, like how, do you, how do you fight with that? Like, well, you're ugly. Like, I know. I mean, uh, I just, you know, I don't have as much makeup as you have. It's like, oh, you know, just like it, it, you see the head explode. The bully can't get any traction. Why? Because the statement didn't hit the identity of this guy. He knew how to deflect. It's all, it's all previous decisions. It's all actions, but it's not who you are. Are. This is, this is really great news for those of us who carry a really negative script around because people have given it. This is also uh, a warning to those of us who do the opposite. Some, sometimes we really want to believe we are our 401k. We really want to believe we are my 20-year-long standing marriage. We really want to believe we are uh, the CEO or with this big wig at this company because we worked hard and we accomplished it. It's okay to celebrate accomplishments, but be very careful that if you start to take that in as your identity, I am this. I am financially independent. You're like one hurricane away from not only having to deal with the ramifications of, of that falling apart, but also the ramifications of losing your identity in the mix of it. We, we have to protect ourselves uh, from the positive and negative lies that say, I am something more or less than who God says I am. And here's what God says you are. 
You're an uncondemned child of the one true king. Everybody in here who's a follower of Jesus, that's who you are. If you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, you should be before you leave here today. I'm gonna argue, I'm gonna argue that. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is, this is a, a, a warning. That sense of, I, can, I should do better. I, should, I, should, uh, I, I, feel, I feel low. I feel like I'm just running towards sin and death constantly. The only solution is not for someone to tell you you're good and happy and you know, I, can't, I can't make it up. The only solution is a God who saves your soul by the spirit and love of, of Jesus. That's what the price of the cross was meant to accomplish, is to free you from that bondage. If, if that's you, you're like, you know what? I'm not a follower of Jesus. We should talk. I'm gonna close with uh, turning to one more passage. I'm not gonna teach on it. I just wanna read through it. Second Corinthians, uh, you can look at it too. Uh, chapter four, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. Same guy who wrote what we just read, wrote this. He's talking about the same topic that he just wrote about, and that is identity and who we are and what, what overcomes us, that kind of thing. But, but he, he got all of the, the, the mind games out of it because he's talking to like Roman philosophers in Romans. And so he was real deep into the woods and it feels a little heady. This is, this is easier to understand. It says in verse seven, but we have this treasure, this gospel, the, the, what he's been talking about is the hope that we have that our identity is found in Jesus, not in our actions. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? To God and not to who? Not to us. It wasn't up to us. God's accomplished this. He says in verse eight, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed but we're not driven to, to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal bodies. So death is at work in us, but life in you. He says, you're going to see me make mistakes and you're going to see the consequences of those mistakes. That's not who I am. You're also going to see in me the life of Jesus. I'm going to have hope in who he's telling uh, me that I am. I'm going to have hope in what he's going to accomplish. Uh, You may see me uh, afflicted, but you're not going to see me crushed. You you may see me confused, but you're not going to see me in despair. You may see me uh, uh, persecuted, but you're not going to see me just completely giving up because I'm not these things. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I uh, believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He says this message that we are not the sum total of our actions, but we are who Jesus says that we are is something that was shared to me. Paul, Paul, he's a murderer and he accepts the, the gospel of Jesus. And he's like, I got hope from that. And I shared it with you and you shared it with other people. And it's going on uh, for the glory of God. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, and the things that are unseen are eternal. All the things that you walk into this room thinking defined you are transient. They're going to pass away. All the things that God says about who you are are permanent, 
and are eternal. This, this week, uh, I, I would ask you, uh, as you work on your resolutions or rework on them, maybe, maybe it's time to re-kickstart. It's like January 20th. It's time to have new resolutions. Um, that you resolve uh, this, that you are, you are who God says you are. You're not the sum total of your actions. You're not defined by how good or great or how rotten or terrible uh, your decisions have been. You are who God says that you are. If you have questions, uh, you want to talk to, to me or an elder, you, you, you do that. Uh, but, but to resolve it is to settle it at this moment right here, line in the sand. I'm going to trust who God says that I am. Uh, and therefore, I can make different decisions. I can, I can fall in line with that. Maybe, even maybe, our actions will begin to follow our who, our identity, and who we are. Let me pray, uh, and then we will, is there a cue? Yes, okay, so we'll watch the cue. Pray with me. Father, and this morning, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word challenges us uh, to not buy into the lies, and Lord, help us because the lies are incessant. Uh, everywhere we go, even in our own selves, we tell ourselves lies. The script just never ends. And it's always something different than who you say we are. Lord, help us to have the faith to remember and to believe we are who you say that we are. We trust you. Um, help us, help us to, to make decisions that reflect that. And Lord, if, there, if there's something in us as we, as we make our, our resolutions, if there's something in us that needs to change, Lord, help us, help us have the courage to give it up. If there's something that we need to begin pursuing, give us, give us the path to that. But, but even now, Father, I pray that you would remove from this room and those online um, the lies that the enemy has been telling them, the lies that this world has been telling them. Father, that we would trust we are who you say you are. And you say, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, you say we have no condemnation. You haven't condemned us. You haven't given up on us. Lord, help us not give up on ourselves. Help us to pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen.